My goodness, it is good to worship together. It's good to be together for everybody in the house at our broadcast location. It's good to have everyone joining us online. If you've got your copy of God's Word, go ahead and take that out and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to go through several verses of Scripture as we continue our series called One Another, One Another. You know, as you go through God's Word, there are so many promises that have that phrase, one another, love one another, honor one another, cherish one another. There's a lot of promises of God that we cannot experience in our lives unless we experience them together. Together, We need to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but my personal relationship is not private. Can I get an amen? My personal, what, what is in my personal belief ought to be lived out in the world and among the community. And so in this divided world, and I'm not a prophet, but I'm just, I'm just like guessing that in the next couple weeks leading up to that Tuesday in November, we may not see more unity. I'm just just we may not. And so, and so what a declaration that Jesus says, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples, your love one for another. Because I wish, I wish everybody could see how we worship. I wish everybody could see how we lift our hands. I wish everybody could see the, the, the community that we're experiencing even across uh, uh, socially distanced channels in the living room. But, but the truth is not everyone in the world is going to see see how we worship, but they will see how we love one another. And Jesus says that is a powerful witness. It's a powerful witness. Amen. So Romans chapter 12, as we walk through this, talking about a united church in a divided world. This past Sunday, I uh, performed a wedding ceremony, and I was getting ready to, to perform the ceremony, and we were kind of getting, my wife was helping out with the, with the wedding, and it was our own, it was our own Pastor Harrison who was getting married, and, and he and Gracie, and they're, they're like on their way back from their honeymoon, and so we're just like so, uh, so excited for them. It was, a, it was a beautiful wedding, amazing families, and, and we were getting some things ready for that, and, and I, I was there, and it was Sunday, last Sunday was my birthday, and, and it was Joey's birthday too, so Joey. Gerard is our children's pastor at our Center City location in the Multiply Church family, and, and he's my birthday twin. He's one of my birthday twins, and so we were, we were there, and we were setting out some cupcakes and just getting everything ready, and I, we were talking about, Joey and I were talking about food, and, and I, I said something to him about food, and, and Joey just, like, Joey, Joey's a, he's like a, a linebacker-looking dude. He's an athletic dude, but he just, like, got this puppy dog look in his eyes. I'm like, Joey, what's man, what's, what's wrong? Uh, and he said, well, he said, we were talking about like eating something. He said, I can't, I can't eat that. I said, why, Joey? Why can't you eat that? He said, I'm, he got this real sad look in his eyes. And he said, I'm on, I'm on paleo. <laughs> and, I, and I got concerned for him. I leaned in. I, I said, who, who did this to you, Joey? <laughs> he, said, he said, my wife did. He said, Pastor, she, she tricked me. I went to look for, for the rice the other day, and we didn't have any rice. He said, all we had was cauliflower rice. So I just started interceding. I'm like, Lord, you can provide for Joey. You see his pain right now. You see his misery. 
We're setting out cupcakes, and I took not just any cupcakes, buntini cupcakes, bunk cakes with the cream cheese icing. And I took out, I took out a box of these, and I opened this. And y'all, you can't make this up. Half of those cupcakes were completely turned over completely turned over. And here's what I know. You can't serve turned over cupcakes at a wedding. You can't do it. That wouldn't have been proper etiquette. I said, Lord, if you can provide a ram in the thicket for Abraham, you can provide a cupcake for me and my friend Joey. And and so, look, I'm not proud of this, but the Bible says confession is good for the soul. So I already confessed this to Harrison. And and so I just want to confess in front of everybody that this was was Joey and I. This was the picture of Joey and I before the wedding is, um, <laughs> I'm t- don't tell me that God doesn't provide for you in your moment of need. He'll provide some sugar when you need some sugar. But I started thinking about this and I'm starting processing like all of this. I'm like cauliflower rice. I'm not mad at cauliflower as long as it doesn't lie to me and tell me that it's not rice. It's not rice. It's just cauliflower. It's just cauliflower. We have a lot of things today that are masquerading as something that they are not. How many of you know that that is true in our society? That we have a lot of things that are masquerading, that are putting on a mask. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 9, Excuse me, Romans chapter 12. I I got y'all, but just flip over three chapters. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Chapter 12, verse 9. The apostle Paul writes and he says, don't just pretend. Say pretend. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Really, say really. Really love. Really love. Apparently, according to the words of scripture, there is something called pretend love. There's something called pretend love. And can I tell you that we are seeing a false, fake, counterfeit love being broadcast through the channels of our culture and our society. It is masquerading as the truth, but make no mistake about it. It is not the truth and it is not love. And my assignment today is to pull back the veil on the thing that is being broadcast to our culture in the name of love. It is not love. It's fake. It's false. It's counterfeit. We gotta, we gotta understand this. You've gotta understand the difference between demonic and satanic. Demonic, watch this. Demonic is dark. Demonic is obvious. Demonic, you see, there is not a sane person on the planet that sees an eight-year-old girl uh, uh, being pulled into being kidnapped and being pulled into human trafficking and points and says, that is dark, that is evil. That's demonic. That's demonic. But the Bible says that satanic, what does the Bible say about Satan? That Satan masquerades as an angel of light. If something is satanic, it is not dark. It actually glitters. And so there are things in our culture, in our society that are being proclaimed. This is love. This is love. This is okay. This is okay. And the Bible says that that's false and it's fake and it's beyond demonic. It's satanic. And we have to uncover it by the word of God because we can get lulled into, if we're not careful, this pretend love. I want to just go through the word of God verse by verse, word by word, 
so that we can expose the false and proclaim the real. Pretend love versus real love. Number one, here's how you know. Here is, I believe, one of the, one of the first characteristics that if something says this is love, you put it through this litmus test, and if it does not pass the test, you can throw it out right away. Number one is this. Pretend love refuses to acknowledge evil. It refuses to acknowledge evil. Real love hates what is evil. This comes right out of Scripture. The first thing that Paul says after he says, don't just pretend to love, really love, he says, hate what is evil. And I know that sounds strange for a preacher to preach that we need some more hate. But can I tell you that according to the word of God, doesn't that sound weird? It sounds weird to say. It sounds weird to say. But if, but if there is a system of belief that refuses to acknowledge that something is evil, then you can't defeat the evil. The Christian psychologist years ago, some of you will re- recognize the name, um, M. Scott Peck. Dr. Peck says this, the central defect of evil is the refusal to acknowledge it. There are things in our world and in our culture that are pure evil. And we need to call them out and call them what they are. It was so you've heard the phrase, uh, you may have heard the phrase, hate, hate the sin, but not the sinner. That phrase came from, it came from St. Augustine. He wrote a book called The City of God, and basically there was a, 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 an area that was ransacked, and, and this entire culture was destroyed, and he was writing this as a defense, and he wrote a defense. It's like a thousand-page treatise on, on the city of God and how God is still building his kingdom, even though political kingdoms topple, even though political kingdoms uh, uh, get, get crushed, that God is still building his system. And it was St. Augustine, the great theologian, that said that, and that is a very biblical thing to say that it is okay to hate evil. Some of you have been confused because you're like, why, why am I experiencing this anger, right? Why am I experiencing it? It feels like hate and, and this can't be godly. No, it is godly as long as your hate is directed not towards a person, but your hate is directed towards evil. We must call evil out and it's okay to hate that which is demonic, that which is satanic, and that which is duping an entire culture into thinking that it's love. Number two, pretend love lets go easily. Real love holds on tightly to what is good. Paul goes on to say, hold on tightly to what is good. One of the things that if you watch, uh, happen to watch American Ninja Warrior, you know that, that that show is around holding on. It's around holding on. And so we found this picture of, uh, of Pastor Kevin back when he was the, the children's pastor. And I think this was, was this summer camp, Pastor Kevin, a couple years ago where you were demonstrating to all the children uh, like just how, how to hang on. But you watch that. Are you, in, I don't know if you've seen this show, but I'm amazed at the grip strength the grip the grip strength the difference the difference watch this the difference of people who make it to the end are the people that have learned to hang 
on. Can I tell you when it comes to your marriage, the difference in you making it to the end are the people that can hang on, that can hang on. Sometimes love is butterflies and sunshine and roses, and sometimes it's hanging on for dear life, saying, I said at an altar before a preacher and before God till death, do us part, and I mean it. I'm going to hold on when I don't feel it. I'm going to hold on when I'm serving selflessly. I'm going to hold on when everybody else has given up. I'm going to hold on. How do you know if something's real in your life? If somebody's willing to hold on to you despite all of your mess and flaws and faults and failures. By the way, aren't you thankful for a God that held on to you when you were living a slippery life? That's what happens. Sin makes you slippery. Makes you slip. Sin, sin makes you slippery. But you have a God that reaches down and somebody needs to know this right now in the middle of your failure on Friday night that you got a God that is clinging on to you, that's not letting go, that's holding on. He's got you and he wants to pull you back toward himself. That's real love. Number three, pretend love refuses to honor. It refuses to honor. Real love takes delight in honoring each other. The word here that is used for honor is only used one time in the New Testament, and it's got a nuance to it. It doesn't just mean to honor. It means to honor your family, to honor your relatives. How many of you know that sometimes it's easier to honor the nice person in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru than the person who's yelling at you in the back seat? Because you only have a 10-second interaction with the person in the drive-thru. And if you want extra sauce, they're giving you extra sauce. And it's their pleasure to give you that extra sauce. And they're smiling at you. And the person in the back seat is not, it is not their pleasure at that moment. They're just, they're demanding. See, somebody's serving and somebody's demanding. But I show my honor. I show my true love, not in how I love a stranger, but how I love those under my own house, in my own house. Under my, we, we honor some, sometimes it's, it's harder to honor the people that we rode with to church. Because in every house, you got one that always wants to be early and one that that is not the top core value in their life. Sometimes it's easier to honor ministries from a distance than honor the people in our spiritual house. But I'm in this for real love. Don't give me the fake stuff. Don't give me the disappearing stuff. Don't give me the stuff that just glitters and then I go to grasp it and it's gone. I want something that's real. I want something that's lasting. I want something that's tangible. And the people around you are tangible. And we will love. We will really love those around us. Number four, pretend love is in it for what I can get. And real love is in it for what I can give. Paul says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Somebody on our team this week called this vending machine love. 
vending machine love. You know, the kind of love that as long as you're popping in the, the, the quarters or the dollar bill, or even now they got the fancy, you can swipe or the Apple Pay. As long as you push the right buttons and it gives you what you want, then I'm going to love that vending machine. But as, but as soon as I push a button and it doesn't respond in the way that I think it should respond to me, then I walk away from it because I'm done with you because I can't get anything else out of you. That's a vending machine love and it's a false love. Some of you that are dating right now or in a relationship are looking to get married. That's not the kind of love that you want. You don't want somebody that just pushes your right buttons and as long as you give them what they want, whether it's emotional affection or the right words or everything, anything like that, but as soon as you don't respond the way they want you to respond, they walk away. They walk away. Here's a, here's a little litmus test. I say, how do, how do I know if he's the one, Pastor? If you've broken up 18 times already, <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Here's the, here's the fifth thing. And, uh, and I pulled a shift on the worship team. I wasn't supposed to come up when I came up, but I came up because I wanted to come up. <laughs> Because I thought, let's save, let's save that last song for the end. And, and so I just, I, I tell you that to tell you this. I want to have one more, one more song of worship at the end as we get ready to respond to the Lord. And I think this is going to be an important time to respond to Jesus. But the fifth thing is this, pretend love wishes for happily ever after. Real love rejoices in confident hope. There's a difference between, man, I, I wish, I wish that maybe this, maybe this pandemic will end. I wish that, wish that we'll be able to all go, our kids will get to go back to school. I wish that, I wish that all of our family who's joining across the, the areas online, I wish that we can come back together. I don't wish that. I have a confident hope. I have a confident hope. Not in a political system, but in a person whose name is Jesus, who defeats all death and disease, who, who's, who gathers, who through scripture there is a scattering, but then there is always a regathering. The, the level of your hope is dependent on who the hope is in. It's dependent on their track record. And if your hope is in Jesus, then it can be a confident hope, an unwavering hope. I don't have a wish. I got a hope. And it's a confident hope that my Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That my Jesus doesn't leave me or forsake me. That my Jesus, his promises are yes through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us for his glory. I got a hope. I got a hope that my Jesus raised from the dead on the third day. I've got a hope that he said he is going before me to prepare a place for me. And if it wasn't so, he wouldn't tell me that. I got a hope that he's never lied to me before. And why would he lie to me now? I got a hope that he's protecting you. I see angels. I see angels around your family. I've got a confident hope that the same God that sent angels to protect Peter in the New Testament, even though he was thrown into jail that I see angels around your family. I've got a hope. I've got a hope that the diseases of Egypt will not land on the people of God. I've got a confident expectation that someday the trumpet will sound. And I appreciate the
this awesome worship music, but there is no sound like the sound on that day when the trumpet resounds and he will descend again. I got a hope that I'm going to meet you, Jesus. I'm going to meet you in the air. I got a hope that I'm ushering him back. I've got a confident hope that he will sit everything right and he will sit down. He will sit down on the throne. And I've got a hope that every independent and every libertarian and every Democrat and every Republican will bow their knee before the King of Kings. And they will acknowledge that only Jesus is King, that only Jesus. I've got a hope. I want to live with that kind of hope. I don't wish that to be true. I know that to be true. I've got a hope. I got a hope. I got a hope. What's he doing? What's God up to now? He's getting rid of this fairy tale faith. This fairy tale faith. Here's what happens when a fairy ta- in a fairy tale, when things don't go happily ever after, the whole thing falls apart. But you don't have a fairy tale faith. You don't have a fairy tale faith. You have a faith that gets you through real stuff. That's what love is. Love gets you real through real stuff. Say real stuff. Love gets you through the real stuff in marriage. Love gets you through the real stuff when you lose somebody and it hurts. Love gets you through real diagnosis. Love gets you through when everything doesn't end up happily ever after. That's real stuff. (laughs) Don't be upset that he's taken away your fairy tale faith. It's not, that's not a bad thing. What he's doing is he's removing that so that I see a confident hope beginning to rise in expectation, beginning to rise. You know, sometimes in the springtime, the pretty little flower, it falls off. It falls off, but you know what that means when the flower falls off? It means the real growth is about to emerge. See, the flower, the flower was just a little taste, and it was fine. It was fine, but you don't want a flowery faith. You don't want a flowery faith. I'm just going to serve you, Jesus, when, when, they sing, when they sing the right song that I get all the feels. I'm just going to, you don't want a flowery faith. You want a faith where the real growth starts, where the strength starts, where the leaves emerge, where you can call out that's evil. That's evil, and I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you, but I'm calling out I'm calling out the evil for what it is. Because if you don't know evil, then you don't know good. C.S. Lewis said this, how, how can I tell what a crooked line is except that there's a straight line? Can I tell this to somebody? You say, you say how could a good God? Pastor, how could there be a good God and him allow this pandemic? How could there be a good God in so much suffering? Go on. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't even have the concept of good except that you've seen a crooked line. And can I tell you the crooked line in a strange way is actually pointing you to a God who's real? Because if there's evil in the world, then that must mean that there's good. And where did that good come from? I love y'all. But it didn't come from any of us. There's a higher source. 
there's a higher source. That's for somebody today. You've been struggling with this. You've been struggling. How could, how could a good lean, lean into that? Lean into that. It's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to doubt. Watch this. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is on the other side of doubt. So don't run from the doubt. Push through the doubt. Keep asking those questions. Keep leaning in. Keep going to the word of God. And God will show you. Read. Ask him those. God, how could this happen? How could this happen? He'll, he'll show you. So, so much, so much fake, so much false, so much counterfeit, but that points towards something that's real, that points towards something that's real. A friend of mine has gotten real into, real into sneakers, the, sneak, the sneaker culture, and he was telling me the other day that he, he bought, so he's buying them and selling them, and, and, uh, he said that he, he bought a pair of shoes and spent a good bit of money on it. And he got them back and he showed them to one of his friends who's, who's been in it for a while. And um, his friend was like, oh man, you got duped. Those are, those are fake. He said, those are, those are fake. My friend's like, but it looked like it looked everything on the outside, like the, the logo, the insignia the coloring and the the stitching and, and it said it looked it looked so real and and his his friend that told them that they were fake said yeah but there's a couple of things that you got you got to know what to look for you got to know what to look for and he said one of the one of the tests this isn't a real black light it's just my iPhone 7 that I'm rocking strong I'm so, y'all, I'm so proud of my iPhone 7. I'd go back if I could. <laughs> but one of, the, one of the tests to find out if something's real or fake is that you shine the light. You expose it to light. You expose it to light, and the light reveals what is false. The light reveals the imperfections. See, the one with the imperfections. Can I tell you that according to the word of God, that all of us someday will stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who is holy, the one who is righteous, the one who is without sin. And can I tell you that the light will be shined on all of my thoughts. They'll all be exposed and the light will shine on my heart and all of my motives, they'll be exposed. And the light will shine on the work of my hands, what I've said that I've done for the Lord and it will all be exposed. And the light will shine on my feet everywhere that I've gone and it'll be exposed, it'll be exposed. It'll be exposed. Can I, can I ask you are, you, are you real or are you fake? I didn't ask you if you're going to church. I didn't ask you if you're listening to a message. I didn't ask you if you read your Bible. I ask you, are you real or are you, are you fake? Because you can fake everybody else around. You can fake your mama. You can fake grandma. You can fake the preacher. But on that day when you stand before the Lord and all we're just standing before him and the light is shined on us and either you have accepted Jesus into your heart or you haven't, there's, there's, no, there's no more fake. There's no more fake. But can I tell you the good news? 
The good news is the Bible says that if we choose to expose all of the all of the evil and the junk and the sin, if we choose to expose that to the light of Jesus right now, then he takes it all away. He takes it all away. And so on that day, when you stand before Jesus and the enemy is gonna be there, the Bible says, I don't know how this happens, but like there's this, the accuser gets to be there and he's like, oh, look at, look at, fill in your name there. Look at, you remember when you did that? You remember? And, and the enemy's like, again, he's like, I can't wait. I can't wait to shine the light. And you're a fake and you're a phony and God shines his light on you. And he looks at the enemy. He's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This one's white as snow. This one's white as snow. I don't see any sin. I don't see any counterfeit. I don't see, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you've accepted the perfect one into your heart and that the blood of Jesus has washed you white as snow with every head bowed and every eye closed. You would say, pastor, something like this. I don't feel like I'm being real. I feel like I got some counterfeit in me. I feel like I've got some unconfessed sin. I don't feel like I'm right before the Lord. And today, right now, I just need to confess that. I want to expose everything. I want to expose my thoughts. I want to expose my motives. I want to expose everywhere that my, everything that my eyes have seen, every thought that my brain has thought, everywhere that I have put my foot. I want to expose it to the light of Jesus, and I want him to shine his light on me, and I want him to purify me and cleanse me and wash me white as snow with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, you would say, Pastor, I got some unconfessed sin in my life. Would you just slip up your hand? And you would say, right now, right now, I want Jesus. I want Jesus to cleanse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All over the auditorium, all over the place, all over the place. Pastor, I've got some stuff. I got some junk that I want. I don't want it to be exposed on judgment day. I want it to be exposed right now, not before any person, but only before Jesus. That's the beautiful thing is that Jesus, Jesus isn't here to put you on display in the privacy of this moment. In the privacy of this moment, he's here to wash you, to cleanse you, to cleanse you in Jesus' name. Come on, can we stand across this auditorium right now? Would you just ask him to cleanse you? I'm not gonna lead you in the prayer, but you just ask him as we worship. Just say, cleanse me, Jesus. Wash me, Jesus. I don't wanna be a fake. I don't wanna be a phony. I want what's real. I want what's real. I want what's real. Cleanse me, Jesus. Cleanse me, Jesus. Cleanse me, Jesus.
sometimes it just does the soul good to be exposed to light. Doesn't it? Because then you walk away. You know what happens when you expose your soul to the light of Jesus? You know what happens? You know what happens? One of the first things that happens is your confidence is restored. Because then you walk around saying, I'm not a fake. I'm not a phony. I don't have any hidden sin. I don't have any hidden agenda. I've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm walking. I'm not a, I'm not a fake. I'm not a phony. We expose ourselves to the light. Just in these last couple minutes at our broadcast location and, and in your home, I'm, I'm just going to ask that maybe for two or three minutes we, we turn this whole place, this whole county, this whole state, this whole, you're watching overseas. Would you turn, the Bible says that, the, the Bible teaches that, that the people of God could build altars any, anywhere. They could build an altar. Can we build some socially distanced altars right now? Is that okay? Maybe some would want to come to the, to the front in a socially distanced fashion. I want to open this up for, for just a, a few more minutes. Maybe some would want to just turn around at their seat. Maybe you want to just grab your kids right there in your living room or, 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 or kneel. But one more time, can we just expose, say, Jesus, expose. Here's what, happened when, here's what happens when the people of God expose themselves to the light of God. They don't walk out dark. You know what happened to Moses when he came down the mountain and Moses walked into a dark world Moses glowed Moses glowed. we need some glow in the dark Christians that's what we need some people that have exposed themselves to the light of Jesus and that can walk into darkness and walk into dark situations and you have a glow about you that only comes from the presence of God come on let's take two minutes let's turn this place into an altar in Jesus name in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. today one more thing maybe somebody would say pastor I didn't realize I was a fake because I've fallen for something that was fake maybe you found maybe you've discovered today that the light has been shined on that thing that you were chasing in your life that you thought was real you thought was real you thought that promotion was going to give you that that self-worth you thought that that relationship was going to fill the void in your heart you thought that whatever it is and it's been exposed for what it truly is and listen it may not even be a bad thing it's just not the thing 
See, nothing in your life will fall into place until you say yes to the only real love that is the love of Jesus. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would say, Pastor, I've fallen for the fake, but I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want everybody just to repeat this after me right now. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I come before the cross. I ask for what is real. Show me what is real. Show me what is real. Show me what is real. Come on, that's for somebody today. Show me what is real. Somebody's been looking for something that's real. You've been trying a bunch of different things and it hasn't worked out. But now you're praying, show me what is real. Show me what is real. Show me what is real. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's celebrate with those that have found some real love today.